Thank you, Brother Tommy, and thank you, all of our musicians who lead us in our worship every Sunday morning. You do a fabulous job, don't they? And we're very thankful for that. Through the past few weeks, we have allowed the Word of God to paint a picture for us of the scene of the cross, of the suffering of the Savior, of the folks that are around there, those two that are hanging on either, one on either side of him, but the soldiers that are there, his mother, Mary, and of course, John. We've seen this through the word time and time again. Today we come to the cry of Jesus on the cross of I thirst. We've looked at the first thing that he said from the cross as he prayed to the Father for his persecutors and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then you'll remember as one thief was repentant, one jeered and mocked him and said, if you're the Son of God, how about saving yourself and us too? And the other thief turned to him and called him Lord and then even referred to his kingdom as Lord. And say, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus spoke the second thing from the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And then seeing Mary, the one who had brought him into the world into his flesh, standing there with the disciple that referred to himself as the disciple whom John, or excuse me, whom Jesus loved, that being John. And he said to her woman did not address her as mother but woman for he's dying for the sins of the whole world including Mary who gave him his physical body as the mother woman behold your son and then to John behold your mother and the scripture explains that by saying from that day forward John took her home and provided for her and took care of her. And then last week we looked at that time of him being in total darkness. Darkness completely covering the world, the world earth. And in that darkness he cried out as the absence of the fellowship with the father. The father removing that fellowship and turning his back on the son who became our sins. He cried out. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But now we hear the fifth cry, the fifth statement from the cross, and it's more of a cry than a statement. He says, I thirst. What is seemingly a strange utterance from Jesus, the one who performed his first miracle by commanding water to turn into wine at his mother's request. The one who said to the Samaritan woman, lady, if you know who I am, then you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water and you would have never thirst again. 
the one who spoke to the wind and the waves and the waves subsided. The one who took such command over the water, he got out of the boat and walked on the water. But now he cries, I thirst. As God, he could have just called down water to fall on him and, and to, or an angel to come and to give him a drink of water. But as the dying Son of God who has become our sins now as the Father turned his back on him and, and left him there all by himself to become the sins of the whole wide world and going through that anguish and pain, he cries out in the midst of that, I thirst. Have you ever been really thirsty? Real thirst is a serious situation to be in. I remember one time working out here on the church parking lot in the heat of the summer that I didn't have enough sense to drink water and I actually had to be taken to the emergency room to be given fluids because I had become somewhat dehydrated. I'm telling you, I was in a mess. I was thirsty and didn't even realize it. We just take water for granted. But the body needs water. And in our suffering, Jesus cried, I mean, in his suffering, Jesus cried, I thirst. In that, we first of all see the suffering humanity of Jesus. Having become our sins, yes, but we see his humanity crying out in thirst. Of course, he's God. As I mentioned a minute ago, as God, he walked on the water, he calmed the sea, he healed the sick, he raised the dead as a man. He hungered and thirsted. He was tempted in every way, yet he never fell to the temptation and was perfect and sinless as the God-man, the Son of God. As man, he is all God, as though he were not man. Uh, as God, he is all God, as though he were not man at all. And as man, he is all man, as though he is not God at all. I think I said it the same way, the same, both times, didn't. But as God, he is all God, as though he were not man at all. And we see Jesus, the God-man, the servant, yet he's a king. He is the God-man, all God, 100%, yet all man, 100%. He wept over the death of Lazarus as a man, but he raised Lazarus from the dead as God. He never owned a place to sleep, yet he made everything and owns everything of this earth. He was mocked. He was scorned and run out of towns, yet his very presence as the Christ called the Roman, caused the Roman soldiers to fall back as they went to arrest him in the garden and to fall back to the ground as king of kings and lord of lords as they came into his presence. 
The very words of our text this morning, two words, I thirst, prove his humanity. For God does not thirst. God does not need to be given water. Angels don't thirst because they're not of the human race. Only humans thirst. But one day we will, <coughs> excuse me, never thirst again. In the Revelation chapter 7 and verse 16, the scripture says, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For you see, in the place that we will be, the Lamb of God is the light of that place. And we'll be there with him. There will be no suffering for us there. But as we think of his statement, I thirst, we are told, and I've read what medical doctors have written about this statement that he made, that thirst is the worst suffering the human body can experience. He knew suffering all through the night before. He had gone through suffering. He had been beaten with a whip of nine lashes. He had been paraded around and, and made fun of, and they had plucked out his beard from his face. They had put a robe on him and a crown made of thorns and pressed it down into his brow. And they paraded him around, led by a rope like he was a donkey. And they said, look at the king of the Jews. Yeah, he had suffered. He had walked through the street of Jerusalem, out the gate of that city with the crowds yelling out at him and cursing him and calling him a blasphemer and a liar. And he'd been led up that hill called Golgotha with the crowd still there and the Roman soldiers cursing and pushing him and, and getting him up the hill, then having him to lie down upon the horizontal beam of the cross and to pierce his hands with the nails and then lift that horizontal beam into the place on the vertical part of the cross and then lift his feet a little bit and put the spike through his feet. He knew suffering, but he didn't open his mouth. He didn't beg for mercy. He didn't even offer for a moment to the Father that he could take himself down from there. He never said, Father, could you get me off of this cross? Instead, he willingly, willingly went to the cross and the scripture tells us that he became sin for us, as we talked about last week, the one who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He had suffered greatly, never asked for relief. But at this time, when his humanity, suffering the hell of the cross, suffering the anguish and the pain, and becoming our sins in the absence of, of the presence of the Father that day because of him becoming our sins, he cried out, I thirst. I thirst. In suffering, hell on the cross, 
separation from the Father. I thirst. Jesus suffered physically. He suffered spiritually for us in this anguish. He satisfied the requirement of God that sin brings on death. That the wages of sin is death. And he took our punishment and all of hell unleashed upon him as he became our substitute so that we could know forgiveness, we could know life, we could know freedom. Jesus, he did all of that so that he could satisfy your thirst. So that he could satisfy our thirst. You see, man is born innately having the desire to know God and the fellowship with God. There is a thirst for God. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew who I was or who I am, you would ask of me a drink and I would give you living water where you would never thirst again. Does that mean he would have poured out a cup of water that would have been a miracle that she would just take a taste of that water and never would her body be thirsty again? No. He's talking to a woman at the well that he even tells her what her thirst is in this flesh and, and how she was so vulnerable to the sins and temptations. He said, woman, where is your husband? Why don't you go get him? She says, oh, sir, I don't have a husband. He said, you have told the truth this time. But you've had five husbands, not one. And the one that you're with now, you're not even married to. Huh. But if you'll ask of me, if you'll ask of me, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. The scripture is abundantly clear in that passage that Jesus does not give her a cup and say, here, take and drink this. He doesn't give her any kind of a drink for the flesh. But when he told her everything that she had ever done, she says, this must be, this has to be the Messiah. This has to be the Son of God. And the Bible says from that moment, she went into town, this woman who was accused by others of all of her evil living, the one that was the talk of the town, the one who came to get her water in the middle of the day when none of the other women would be there because she was so ashamed of her lifestyle and, and, and so many folks talked down about her. So she came in the middle of the day instead of early in the morning or late in the evening as all the other women of the town would come. There this woman in the middle of the day and Jesus said... I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. And she received him as that answer. And the Bible says that sinner became an evangelist 
And she went to town and told everybody she saw, come and meet the man who's told me everything I've ever done. Come and meet the one who can give you the answer to your life. A thirst. What is your thirst? that you can't seem to get satisfied. Folks will try everything in this world to satisfy that longing, that thirst in their lives. And they're disappointed over and over again. Some people marry because they just cannot stand being alone and they want companionship and they find that human companionship does not really meet the thirst of their heart and their soul. They'll try drugs and they'll find that drugs do not meet the cry of their heart in needing and thirsting. They'll try alcohol and it certainly does not quench that thirst. They'll try immoral conduct, thinking that that'll make me happy, that'll meet my need, that'll, that'll make me better, and I'll be, I'll be all that I want to be then. And they find that they feel filthy and used and rotten and just are not satisfied with the life of this flesh over and over again. You see, the thirsting that we have was innately given to us. That we have a need, we have a thirst for God that is in every human being. I, I remember years ago and I, uh, when I was a youth minister, that had been a long time ago, hadn't it? But I, I can remember the skit that was widely done by the youth groups everywhere would be this guy come in, he says, I got this hole in my I got a hole in my body. I can't feel it. I, I've tried everything. And he goes through all kinds of things. And other, others try to offer him different things. And finally, this one that represented a Christian came up. And, and the young man was a Christian, but came up and said, Listen, the only thing that will fill the longing on your heart, the only thing that will fill the hole in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Invite him into your life, and he will meet your need. And and that in that skit, that guy prays and receives Christ, and he goes around yelling and carrying on, I am whole, I'm whole, my need is met, I've met Jesus. You see, you were given a thirst for God. You've been under conviction before. You know what it's like when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart and he reminds you that you are in need of something that you don't have and, and you cannot replace what is missing. You can't get it for yourself. And he reminds you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he asked for an entrance into your life to be your Lord and Savior, that he died that you might have life. He died that your thirst may be quenched in him and the Holy Spirit convicts you to come to Jesus. And yet, maybe time after time, you said, well, I, I'm going I'm to try to do without that. 
And you find yourself at the end of your rope. You find yourself at the end of your day that you're just dissatisfied with life. You're dissatisfied with the decision you've made. You, you're just dissatisfied with yourself. And you try and try and you spend the sleepless hours at night thinking about it and, and what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? I'm so tired of feeling this way. I, I'm tired of being a failure. What can I do? Let me tell you, what you can do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and He will quench the thirst of your life. He will meet your every need if you simply trust Him. Men try wealth, fame, and when I say men, I mean mankind. Wealth and fame and pleasures. Everyone thirsts. But few have that thirst quenched. Only Jesus can satisfy the longing, the thirst in your life. You've been hearing the testimonies of our deacons as they have made these videos, and we're giving a different deacon's testimony each Sunday in our worship time. I truly that's been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to them to be able to do that. I think some of them are a little frightful of getting in front of a camera and talking and, and sharing that, but, you know, we just held a gun to them till they finally did it. No, I'm kidding. They're making those videos, but every one of them, listen to what they say. I asked Jesus to come into my life. That's what's different in me. That's why I serve the Lord. There was a time, and I think one already, if not two, have said it was at vacation Bible school when I learned of Jesus and what he has done for us through his suffering and his death on the cross. Jesus, and only Jesus, can satisfy the need in your heart, in your life. Jesus suffered, and he thirsted on Calvary for you, a physical thirst, yes. As I've read up on that, the medical profession says there is no thirst known to man like the thirst that ensues with great bleeding, loss of blood. Jesus. It lost blood through the night of his scourging of the crown of thorns, the whip on his back. He had lost blood hanging on the cross with spikes through his hands and through his feet. He had been hanging there through the day. He had, was still pouring from blood down his face. His blood's loss was great. 
And the thirst was more than just being in the heat of the sun. He had been in darkness for three hours as God has, had turned his back on him on the cross, and he was the one that said, why have you forsaken me? We've talked about that several times now, but as we think about that, he had gone through that, and what brought on the thirst was not the heat of the sun, but the loss of the blood. This was the cry of Jesus after only three hours through this pain. Can you imagine thirsting for eternity? As Jesus described the place for those who never receive the drink of water that he promises, that he will give to everyone who will turn to him and ask, as he told the woman at the well, for those who have not received that, that have never believed and trusted in him, Jesus describes the death and the eternity of the one as he describes that of the, as the man that was very wealthy and, and the poor man, Lazarus, who was laid at his gate of his home every day and he was covered with sores and, and the, the dogs went and licked his sores and he begged from food from the rich man's table and and Lazarus died, and he went to, to Abraham's bosom, to paradise. But the one who had never trusted in God, the one who was trusting only in what he could acquire, and trying all of the things of this world, it said he died and in hell lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And he begged then, for one, one drop of water to be touched to his tongue. For he was tormented, thirsty. But can I tell you, as Abraham answered him, there's no water. There's not a drop of water to quench the thirst. And just as much as we look forward to and long for the day of being at home with a Savior in heaven and having every need met and being forever in purity and holiness and every need met and never knowing a day when anybody in heaven will say, well, I wish I had. For the same eternity, those who do not trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior will spend that eternity in a place called hell and will thirst forever. Thirst. Forever. Can I tell you I have no pleasure in telling that? I find no pleasure in this particular message and the saying that Jesus uttered from the cross of I thirst. I, I, I have no pleasure in that. But to say to you, the loving Savior, the love of God has been extended to you by the loving Savior. All who will come unto me, 
forgiveness, rest, eternal life. No sorrow. No suffering in heaven. He offers it to you this morning. He offers it to you that you can have your need met. Or if you die outside of Christ and never receive him as your Lord and Savior, your cry for eternity will be, I thirst. I thirst. And never will there be a quenching of that thirst. You say, preacher, that's a hard message. The message isn't nearly as hard as the reality of the truth for those who have never come to faith in Christ. Can I say this to you in closing? The death on the cross is powerful. It is meaningful. It was necessary, and it's life-giving to all who will believe. The Savior did it for you. The Son of God became all of your filth and sin, ugliness, in your thoughts, in your actions, in your life. He became all of that so that you would not have to suffer the thirst that he suffered on Calvary. He took it for you. You can have eternity of blessings and joy and never thirst again. That's what Jesus promised. Do you know him? Do you know him? Evangelism, explosion, and faith, and other ways of witnessing the gospel many times begin with this question. If you were to die tonight, do you know absolutely, without any doubt, that you would go to heaven to be with Jesus? I'm asking you the question. If you were to die tonight, Do you know absolutely for sure that you would go to heaven and be with Jesus forever? If not, the place I've tried to describe, to describe to you of the rich man, the unsaved man, thirsting and begging for relief, all that waits for you. You say, preacher, you trying to scare us? Well, sir, if I could scare you out of hell, I'd do it. But I can't do that. Only Jesus can give you forgiveness, give you life, give you heaven, and quench your thirst. Do you know him?
Have you ever trusted in him and his, the price that he paid on the cross for your sins? What an opportunity right now in this place. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. I'm going to be standing down front. I'll be glad to share with you for just a moment or two and to pray with you for you to receive Christ as your Savior and to settle this matter once and for all. Oh, would you do that? Would you come to him? Would you trust him? Would you believe and be saved? If you're watching through the internet, would you trust Jesus? Would you ask him to come into your life and to be your Savior and forgive you of your sins and give you everlasting life and to quench your thirst for eternity? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Though there are parts of it that we don't like to talk about, Thank you for the truth. Lord, I pray somehow that you can take the words of a babbling preacher and use them for your glory. Lord, if there's one, two, ten people here are watching through Facebook that have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray right now would be the hour they would turn to you Lord, come to Jesus and be saved. Have your way. Lord, as Christians, we're reminded of the awesome price that you paid and the wonderful gift that we have of eternal life in Christ. May we be a testimony of that. In Jesus' name.